listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. Episode 100 of the Metal Matters podcast. This is the 100th episode extravaganza. And uh, Randy Larson is here uh, to join us to celebrate 100 consecutive episodes of Pure Metal Fury. How's it going, Randy? <laughs> pretty good, man. Pretty good. Yeah, it's crazy, man. 100 episodes. I mean, you have actually been on all 100. I, I probably, uh, I don't know. How many episodes would you say I've been on? I don't know. You've been on a lot, but all I can tell you is yeah. you you were on the first one, man. So that's like why you and I are are, uh, are together on the one hundred. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy. Time kind of flew by. Yeah, definitely, man. And and uh, you probably you know you aside from me, who's been on all the episodes, like you just said, you're you're the most consistent guy. One of the more uh, you know consistent denominators on this thing. So. Uh, it just made made sense to have us talk about it together. And um, over yeah. the last couple of years, we've got a lot of new listeners who may or may not have went back and checked out some of the earlier shows. And uh, so, I guess like what we'll do tonight is just kind of go back, talk about our favorite episodes, and uh, you know some of the some of the high points over the last uh, 100 episodes and uh, talk about what we're going to do next, some ideas for future things. And also offer yeah. it out to you guys out there if you want to make recommendations for things you might want to hear. I'm not going to guarantee that we're going to do what you guys want, but uh, at least we'll put it in consideration, you know? Yeah, man. I like uh, getting feedback, you know, getting some ideas from the people who listen, you know? It doesn't mean we're going to do it, like you said, but, yeah. you know, we might, uh, they might turn us on some things we're not thinking about, but it's cool to cover. Before we get started, uh, I just wanted, there's a correction that uh, Alejandro got in touch with me uh, via, social, via social media, and um, he's a front of house engineer who is experiencing an incredibly tough time right now with the pandemic, because, like, as you can imagine... Any, anyone related to live music or performance is experiencing hardships right now because none of that stuff is, is happening. So uh, he brought to my attention uh, a credit issue that uh, Terrence and I overlooked on the soundtrack episode we did a couple weeks ago. And uh, with the Mandy soundtrack, uh, we failed to mention that a huge part of the score was done by Randall Dunn. So apologies, Randall Dunn. I'm a fan of yours. Uh, Randall's, you know, worked with Sun, Earth, uh, Steve Von Till, uh, incredibly talented individual. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to go back and give him credit for working on the Mandy soundtrack. So, uh, And that's one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite scores to come out in a long time. So, uh, once again, thanks, Alejandro, for bringing that to my attention. Have you seen that movie, Randy? Mandy? Yeah, I have. Uh, I I, got, I like the movie. I hate Nicolas Cage. I think he basically sucks in everything he's ever been in, but he's been in a lot of great movies, yeah. oddly enough. Did, did you like him in <laughs> um did you like him in Wild at Heart? 
No. No? I don't like him in anything. Oh, no, wow. I love Wild at Heart, and I love him. He's a Stephen Lynch fan, and Laura Dern is fucking awesome, but I, I can't stand Nicolas Cage. I think he sucks. Huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like a lot of movies he's been in, but I, I just can't I can't do it, man. He sucks. I, just, I don't understand why he keeps getting cast in movies. I don't get it. You know, uh, the <laughs> the actress who played Mandy in that movie, she's in a, a newer film called Possessor, which I just saw, and she's quite good in that. Uh, that's on my short list. Uh, that's the uh, Brandon Cronenberg movie, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's on my short list of stuff to uh, to see. I'm a big David Cronenberg fan, too, so... Uh, uh, some I, I, people are saying uh, you can see a lot of his father's early work in uh, in his work. So, I would say great. more so in his other his film Antiviral, but his new one really I feel like he, he really is sort of coming to his own, and uh, you know the story is like very much like uh, Philip K. Dick, you know, sci-fi like kind of thing, which I, I really enjoy that style and. Uh, yeah, I recommend that out there if anyone wants to check out a decent horror sci-fi sort of movie. So yeah, I gotta get on that. Yeah, gotta get on that one. So the format of tonight's show, um, we're just gonna pick out um, some of the past episodes and bring that to your attention if you haven't checked them out yet. And then I'm also gonna throw around some of my favorite interview moments. Um, because I was looking back over the list of episodes, and I got a chance to talk to a lot of fucking cool people, man. So I just want to underscore that. And if um, you missed any of those earlier shows, you can check all that stuff out on Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, you know, Stitcher, YouTube, you know, pretty much wherever you listen to streaming media. You know, so one of my one of my What's favorite cool, man is that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead. You were going to say something. I just cut you off. Well, just to you know, follow up on what you were saying, what's cool is uh, some of the interviews, uh, we piggyback the records, you know, like uh, the Harley Flanagan interview. Uh, I believe the following episode, we did the, uh, the double Cro-Max, um, Age of Coral and Best Wishes. And then the, the Mike Nine episode, we ended up doing the I Hate God, uh, Take His Need for Pain episodes and it was cool we were able to kind of piggyback off some of those interviews with doing episodes of the classic albums you know yeah that's the idea man uh i know sometimes it might seem like we're just shooting from the hip like every week but like <laughs> a lot of a lot of this stuff um there there's definitely like some kind of like guideline or game plan that we're trying to follow you know what i mean and uh, actually, on a more recent episode that I really thought was cool was um, was the Circuits of Power episode, which, I mean, granted, that band is uh, pretty obscure, man. Like, a lot, of, a lot of people around New York know who they are, uh, but I've, you know, a lot of people, that was actually how they got turned on to the band. It's like through listening to the episode that we did for, for uh, their record, Vices. And um, we tried something different with that one. Where I did, I did, uh, you know, I interviewed uh, Alex, you know, Al, Al Mitchell, the singer, uh, and cut in little sections of the interview to kind of underscore some of the points we were making when we were talking about the record. And I thought it took a lot of time to do that, and um, that definitely, 
I like to plan. You know, it was a learning curve for me to do that kind of production, but I thought that episode came out pretty good. Yeah, man, I like that too. I, I, you know, I, I know very little about the editing process, uh, you know, but from talking to you about it, it seems like you know you put quite a bit of time and effort into that episode, so to be able to do that on a regular basis, like. You know, it's be kind of tough, I guess. You know, considering you do all that and I do none of it. Well, I mean, the thing, yeah, the thing I learned though is that there's definitely like there there could have been things I could have done ahead of time that would have made the process a lot easier. But you know, I just went for it and did it. And um, if anyone checked out that episode and enjoyed it, I have the uncut version of the uh, the full episode with Al over at Everything Went Black, my uh, my kind of solo podcast that I've been doing for the last, uh, oh, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's tons of shit on that stream that you can check out too, but more more recently, there's the full interview with Al, which really, I, I really enjoy talking to him, man. I don't know, he's, he's a really, really interesting guy. Yeah, yeah, he seemed like a real cool guy, man, for sure. I, you know, it's cool. I like doing the episodes like that, like the Circus Pyro one. Uh, another one was Skin Yard. Kind of like bands probably a lot of people haven't heard of, but that me and you found a mutual, like, holy shit, you like that band? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Circus Power is one of those bands. Like, I, I didn't know anyone who liked that band, you know, and then we were talking one day and it came up, and like, yeah, I love that band. So, Skin Yard's kind of a, the same thing, you know. I like doing the episodes that aren't, aren't as obvious, you know. And that Skin Yard episode was way back on, like, episode 12. You know, it was quite a while we did that. That was, like, one of the, you know, within the first year of doing the show, we, we hit that one. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of people, as a result of that episode, I got tons of, uh, you know, people, you know, messages saying that, oh, I never even heard of this, these guys. And, and it turns out that, one of the people that got in touch with me as a result of that particular show was Daniel House, the bass player of of the band, and also uh, one of the owners of CZ Records. And uh, several months later, Daniel came back, and I interviewed him. And he, you know, he's working on a, a Skinyard book. And um, yeah, it's awesome. He's just—it was just cool to talk to him because that that really was an important that that was definitely an era. And and not the obvious stuff, not like Nirvana or, or you know whatever fucking the, right. the bands that you would think of. But in the late '80s into the early '90s, there was like a very interesting and cool musical thing going on, pretty much in isolation up there in the Northwest. You know, I mean, it's like really if you if you're a band in Seattle in 1980, 88, 89, 87, you really can play in Canada and in portland you know what i mean it's like you don't really have like you gotta to go down to san francisco that's like a 12 hour fucking drive man that's like i mean you and i living here in the northeast are are kind of spoiled by how close everything is you know you could drive to boston you can go to like new york you can go to you know philly and then even to go to places like cleveland that's only like an eight hour drive you know what i mean um, yeah, yeah, we have access to like twenty cities within ten hours that are worth playing. Yeah, you know, you go to Montreal, like that kind of thing. So uh, Daniel is um, a guy who was there throughout that whole, the beginning of that whole thing, man, and that gave us like so many great bands. Like, and you and I were talking yeah. about just now. It'd be it makes sense to talk about this too. Is like future episodes uh, out of that scene. 
you know, like we got Soundgarden, you know, we got Alice in Chains, uh, Screaming Trees, and and another band that's like equally as um, you know sort of influential in that scene was Mother Love Bone and Green River. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, being able to, you know, that's, yeah, and like I think we're both unapologetic fans of all that stuff, you know. Totally. I just think it's yeah. funny that we started with probably the most obscure band from that scene. You know, it's that that like that was our uh, instead of hitting Soundgarden or Alice in Chains first, we start with Skinyard. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> yeah, man, it's cool though. I think Skinyard kind of predates almost all those bands, so. I mean, it's probably the right place to start, you know? The only other band that could go further back possibly is the U-Men. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of a different trip, I think, with them. More of like a post-punk type thing. But still, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, any fans of the Seattle scene, like, well, I think we're going to be covering some of that coming up uh, pretty soon. Yeah, man, totally. And... uh so yeah, check. You should check those. That, go back and check out episode twelve because there's a lot of you guys out there. I know that, you know, just from uh, corresponding with everyone, it's uh, you got. I don't think a lot of you guys were were on board back then. So uh, that might have been a one of the episodes that snuck by without you you guys noticing it. You know. Um, well, even to go further back, man, uh, episode four, uh, Dan Loker. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Even though you weren't <laughs> directly part of that episode, you were there, though. I was there. It was actually awesome how that took place, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, when, you know, back when I was playing in tunes, we're, it was the second day of the tour we did, the one tour we did together. And, uh, yeah, you had made contact with him and set up an interview at, like, a beer garden like a, yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in, in Rochester. Yep. Uh, the whole band was there. It was Danny. Danny was there, and then all of Tunes. Yep. And we all had lunch together and had a few beers, and you did the interview. And I've, if I remember correctly, there's like a fucking kid crying in the background the whole time. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we're out there, you could hear like a train go by and chicks are outside. You know, the audio was probably not the best, but it was, it was still really cool. And for me, that was so cool. Like, we played with Godsflesh the night before. Um, and I got to meet GC Green, the bass player at Godflash, who's one of my all-time favorites. And then the next fucking day, I get to meet, you know, have lunch with Danny Wilker. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty pretty cool, like, uh, two days in a row of meeting two of my uh, uh, people I really look up to as bass players, you know. And that was way back in episode four, you know. And, and mm-hmm. Dan, Dan Wilker's a guy who's got a million stories, too, and... and um you know, it's it just was to me that was like a high point, one of one of the high points of this whole thing. You know, was talking to him. You know, totally, man. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. He's got a cool book out too. It's been out for a while. Um, I don't know if it's, if it's still available, but I'm sure there's some copies out there. Oh, I meant to. I, yeah, have you read that? Yeah, yeah. I bought it when it came out. Oh man, I got to get a copy of that. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's like an oversized like maybe eight and a half by 11 kind of thing. There's a lot of photos, but there's still, there's a ton of text, you know, there's a lot to read as well. It's really cool. Along those same lines is, uh, back in like episode 14, I got a chance to any, uh, to, to, uh, interview Vinny a piece. 
That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's a dude who was in Black Sabbath, man. Mm. Yeah, it's totally crazy, man. Like, I I didn't even know that was coming. I just see the episode go up, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Really cool guy. You know, like, uh, native New York dude. uh, Played in a million records. And uh, it was, like, just really, really fucking cool talking to a guy who was in Black Sabbath, you know? That's yeah, it. man, it's cool. We should we uh, we should see if he wants to jam. You know, that'd be cool. Me, you, and Vinny start a band, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> we we can get like uh, Graham Bonnet to sing to sing on it or something like that. Yeah, what's he doing? You're probably doing money. Probably not. He's probably working at like a, a Wawa or a gas station or something like that. <laughs> if he was working at a Wawa, you'd know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty wild. We get to talk to him, man. That, you know, <laughs> the guy's a legend. You yeah. know, and uh, it's just been so many, so many great ones, man. Um, the I had got taken needed for pain episode. I'm blanking on what number that was, but it, it wasn't that long ago. It was this year. I think we did that one. Uh, you know, the interview you did with Mike Nine a week before, or a couple weeks before our episode was awesome. Um, one of my favorite bands, you know, it's, I always love interviews with Mike nine and you did a great one, you know? Yeah. Mike's one of the more fascinating people that I know, man, that dude's been through so much. And once again, he's just like a natural storyteller too, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. Another guy who has a a book, which I think might be out of print right now, but it's been reprinted a few times. Um, collection of his writings and lyrics and poetry and stuff like that but uh definitely cool too yeah he's a fascinating guy man for sure great storyteller like you said that guy needs to write more books i think you know he's someone who uh, i mean over the last 10 years it seems like everyone has a book that came out you know like all these like guys that you know like john joseph and uh well, the Harley book right. was actually really good that, you know, his book that came out. But, it, you know, the Roger Murray had a book, uh, you know. But Mike Nine is somebody that should write more and put out more actually published work, in my opinion, you know. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, no offense to any of those other guys. They're all, you know, legendary guys in their own right. And the books are cool. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I can imagine, man, if, if Mike emptied the vault of his life story, you know, uh, there's probably a few books in there. Yeah. yeah, not not John Joseph though, man. Like that guy, I, I don't I don't buy him. You know, I, I like don't don't really uh, buy into his thing. I feel like there's a lot of like uh, legendary uh, stuff being talked about in there. You know what I mean? A lot of fictional accounts and stuff. You know. Yeah, you're not gonna get an argument from me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the biggest. John Jews a fan, you know. Yeah, the uh, vocals on Major Quarrel are awesome. Give them that. That's about it, really. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You yeah. know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mike Nine is a guy. You know, he, he he's got a few books in him like that that would not be boring. Or, I mean, he doesn't have to fabricate anything because his life's been so fucking crazy. You know, <laughs> just by the shit that's that's out there that we already know. Imagine the shit we don't know. Yeah, but but even even him as like um, not necessarily even telling stories about his life, but just like as a writer, like I think that guy's got a lot to offer, man. You know. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree with that, too. That, yeah. too. Man, that's a whole different angle. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even thinking of that, really. But yeah, absolutely, man. He, he's one of my, I believe I said it in the interview, man. He's one of my favorite lyricists of all time. His lyrics are incredible. Another one of my favorites is actually uh, episode number three, the crossover episode, where uh, we, we said some controversial stuff about the beginning of crossover, I think. Yeah, well, that's what we do, right? Yeah. You know, that, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> controversial in what way? Uh, people just didn't agree with it? Or well, I just think that... Uh, factually wrong. No, I just think that I cited, uh, you know, the first suicidal record, which... You know, I mean, maybe now I look back on it. I'm like, you know, that really was more of a hardcore record than a than a crossover record. You know, I was getting a little crazy with my uh, analysis. I think. <laughs> yeah, I believe I didn't. I think, if I remember correctly, I didn't necessarily agree with that either yeah. at the time. But that's, that's that's okay. I mean, it was only a couple of years later that they put out "Join the Army," which is there's no doubt that's a crossover record and one of the first. Yeah. You know? I, I might even I might even have said something about the Void record being like a crossover record or something. I don't even remember really, but that that's you know what I don't think that's that crazy either. <laughs> but it is a reach, though, right? It's that's definitely a reach. I think it's uh, it could be looked at as a reach, or I think it could be looked at as uh, kind of shedding some light on something probably no one's even really ever thought about connecting Void to crossover. But I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, Bubba Dupree, the guitar player, is a fucking metalhead. Like, in this straight-up metal-sounding stuff, even on the earliest Void stuff, not even on, the, like, the later, you know, weird metal record they made. So, I don't think that's that crazy. I mean, I wouldn't call them a crossover band, but there's strains of that in there, for sure. Man. You know? Yeah. I, I think that, like, the idea of what crossover... I think, I think like, uh, you can take too much... I, I think that, for me, personally... You know, I, I tend and I tend to do this. I start drawing these, these like threads between things that might not actually be related. Sometimes, if by by making a more and more liberal interpretation of something, you know, instead of sticking to the rules, you know. Well, you know, hey, it makes for good arguments, you know. Yeah, because I mean, just because there's a guitar solo on a on a song doesn't make it a crossover uh, record, you know. Like there's like. You know, like on, on, on the first suicidal record, there's like sh- you know shred guitar so- like solos here and there and like melodic vocals, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that's still like a hardcore album, you know? Yeah, it's not. There's no real thrashy riffs on it per se, you know. Yeah, or any of those yeah, like I mean, mosh, you know, moshy parts or anything like that, you know. If you want to apologize for it, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> at the time, I, I thought one thing, and now I think something else when I think back on it. You know, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, there's also there's a cool crossover book that came out recently. Did you ever get that? No. Uh, a friend of mine got it. He said it's really good. I don't know. I have to, uh, have what's, to uh, what's so good about it? <laughs> I don't Who, know. What friend of yours? Who, who's this friend, first of all? And what's so good about this book? Uh, this guy, this guy Matt, that I know, he's uh, he listens to the show. He's a very knowledgeable guy when it comes to uh, music. That's cool. What? Um, what's the name of the book? I, I don't know. I fucking forget. I don't know. Keep 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 going. I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go all the way back to episode one, which probably a lot of people haven't even heard, which is the Iron Maiden Killers episode, and uh, 
I just thought, you know, when you and I first started doing doing this thing, we started talking about it. The, actually, in reality, the whole format of this type of thing started even before the show existed. You know, we uh, we did a couple episodes on uh, Everything Went Black, where you and I got yeah. together and we talked about, um, you know, Australian bands and uh, Bruce Springsteen. We had an episode <laughs> devoted yep. to Bruce and- Springsteen. We did. Uh, we also had uh, one uh, loosely on noise rock, but more about the history of amphetamine reptile records. That, I believe that was in Everything with Black with yep. you, wasn't it? That was. For sure it was, yep. And uh, yeah. I remember the Bruce Springsteen one. We recorded that at my uh, my old apartment in Greenpoint, and, and, uh, and Bernie was there. And uh, yes. he is sure. not a Bruce Springsteen fan at all. And he was just like... but. I think that he was taken so taken with our enthusiasm for Bruce that he actually came around and had a couple of good things to say about Springsteen. He did. I might have strong armed him a little bit, you know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, let's, maybe maybe not. You know, maybe, yeah. You know, I like that dynamic too, which was cool. That me and you were like freaking about it and big fans, and he was like kind of sort of disinterested, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Since I knew he was going to be there, because we all played a show together that night, right? That's yeah. why, yeah. Yeah, Vitus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So I knew he was going to be there, and I was like, you know, I'm going to do this podcast with Mike. You might as well sit in, man. Like, you guys have known each other forever, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I like the dynamic of, like, him not being into it, you know? <laughs> Although I don't, I, w- I wouldn't say he made any convincing arguments, you know, against it. Uh, it was cool that he wasn't into Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> and we probably bummed out a ton of people with that episode, but yeah, nah, who cares? I don't care. I don't think why. I mean, I think there's more people out there that like Springsteen that don't admit it that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was like bummed. There's only like four people that listen to that show anyway. So, but, uh, <laughs> but it's that, still available though, man. You can go back. Uh, yeah, you can go back and sure. everything with black and listen to it. Yeah. It's from a few years ago. But that whole format was the kind of template for what we're doing now at the Classic Records, which we've been doing for the last couple of years, which is what we're kind of discussing right now. And the very first episode of this show was our analysis of our Iron Maiden Killers, which that's a, you know, that's the debate, you know, uh, Paul Deano or Bruce Dickinson. And uh, you and I both are of the Paul Deano uh, fan, fan base. You know, yes, absolutely, man, absolutely. Oh, I, you know, Dickinson's obviously an awesome vocalist, and I like a lot of records he's on. But Paul Diano's the guy, man. Those first two Maiden records to me, those are the best. You know, I think yeah. it's probably fitting that we we do a, a Bruce Maiden album too. You know, like as a classic record, I think it's only right that that is uh, we give equal, you know, shine to uh, Mr. Dickinson, who is a uh, pretty huge contributor to heavy metal, you know? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I got to say, man. Um, yeah. When I, the, the last time I saw them was that it was either at Hellfest or, or not. The, well, that might've been the last time I saw Maiden, but the time I saw them in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, I was so fucking impressed by those guys, man. Like, Especially Dickinson, you know, vocals were incredible. 
stage is energy on stage. Actually, the whole band's energy on stage was awesome. But Bruce just running all over the place. Yeah. You know, the yeah. guy's like an in incredible condition. Absolutely, man. Uh, I seen him once after we seen him at Hellfest. I seen him the following summer down in Atlanta. Um, and they're, they're incredible, man. Incredible. I've seen him four times in the last like eight years, and they've been incredible every single time. But yeah, he's he's insane, man. A guy at that age, like he just runs. It's like he's twenty. You know, he sounds great. He's like full of energy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, we should definitely do a Bruce uh, Bruce record for sure. Do you come up with that title of that book yet? Yeah, it's uh, Cross Over the Edge, where hardcore collides with punk and metal. Is that still, can, you, can you buy it on Amazon right now if you want if I wanted to? Yeah, you can. Um, you can buy it on Amazon for uh, $21.49. That's not If bad. you want to get crazy. It's not bad. Speaking of mail yeah. ordering stuff, I I ordered um that Swans uh you know, I told you the double Blu-ray. Right. Oh yeah, did you get it in yet? No, it's just they just I just got a notification that it shipped like two days ago. Like I ordered this fucking thing like uh, the twentieth of October. <laughs> wow, that's crazy! I've always had great luck ordering from Young God, man. I always yeah. got my shit real fast. I guess mine like <laughs> fell down a crack somewhere, and they just discovered it or something. You know, it just slipped behind Michael Gear's desk or whatever. You know. I heard they found it in a bag of Trump ballots somewhere. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's, that's, yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully it shows up at some point, you know, and, uh, Oh yeah, dude, the second disc, the one you haven't seen is fucking, it's like a second documentary, dude. Totally worth checking out. I also pre-ordered the, the, uh, child, uh, child, children of God, um, reissue too looking forward to that yeah i pre-ordered that too i'll get mine before you so i'll let you know how it looks i just got a notification that there's some issue with the printing so i get your both of our orders are going to get delayed mm. you know interesting yeah so. i'll still get mine before you though <laughs> probably <man. laughs> the way it works you know you know i kind of um, am the guy like when you go out with a large group of people is this you ever seen a situation like this where you have a large group of people that go out for, for dinner say and they always forget someone's order that's that's me <laughs> i'm the guy whose order always gets that you know everyone gets their food and my shit's not i don't have it and then they they cover well, it they cover it up and they're like well oh oh yeah yeah it's on the way and then they give you like a like a free appetizer or something like that that's what happens to me well all the time. that's <laughs> yeah that's probably why we you know we get along man we can do this because I feel like it happens to me all the time as well so, you know uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I'm aware of that kind of guy yeah. <laughs> On the the interview side of things, uh, two of the coolest interviews I've done uh, was Dwid. Dwid was on a couple times. Uh, the first time was weird because I kind of caught him like in between. Uh, I was at Psycho Las Vegas, and it was I only had like maybe thirty minutes to talk to him. And then um, 
the second time around, uh, he'd heard a uh, interview I did with um, Cold Blood, and he hit me up and he was like, oh, "I you know love that band. They're they're great, you know." And then we just started uh, corresponding, and then I asked him to come on the, the show, and and that was like a fun a fun time, man. And since then, he and I, you know, we've been in touch and exchanged, you know, like correspond pretty pretty regularly, and um. Yeah, it was just he's a he's a fascinating dude into a lot of cool stuff, and you and I both love integrity, so so that's uh, yeah, that really oh cool. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the second interview you did with him was way better. The first one, like you said, he was at you know playing Psycho Vegas and stuff. It was kind of short, but the second one was great. It was like it was really really good. People should check that out. They're fans of integrity, and you know, also man, uh, Dwid contributed some vocals the new tombs record yes which uh i think by the time this episode comes out let me see here It'll, it might actually be the week oh yeah you know, see this episode will be out days after the new tombs record comes out so uh so yeah there you go but um yeah it was really cool uh because that song the, the hunger is is kind of like uh Let's say it's an homage to Sam Hain and Misfits and Danzig. Well, more more Sam Hain and Danzig than Misfits. And uh, just through speaking with him all this all these times, I, you know, I, I know that he's a huge fan, and I know that the uh, the Integrity Skull is actually inspired by the Sam Hain Danzig Skull. You know, I mean, they, there's a similar story behind both of those things, like. You know, there's Kristar, uh, which is like a comic book, a Marvel comic from the 70s that Danzig kind of borrowed the image of the skull. And then there's a right. um, a graphic novel by that was published by Epic Comics uh, called Blood, A Tale. It's about a you know, vampire story. And um, inside there's like basically the image of the, uh, you know, was... was uh, what ended up becoming the, the integrity skull, you know, over the years, it's changed shape a little bit, but it's basically that same image. So I thought that was cool. Right. And I thought that, you know, we both spoke pretty extensively about, you know, Sam Hain and, and it just seemed like that he would be the right guy to have as a guest on that particular song doing the vocals. So, you know, I think it worked out pretty good. Yeah, that's great. And you know, that song, uh, I know the album was, be out by now but like that song you guys released that cool video for that song uh right before halloween yeah yeah that was, that was a lot of fun yeah it's definitely cool people should check that out for sure and c- kind of related i guess through sam hain is my I, i've had uh london may has been on twice another guy that's come on again right. and uh just i gotta be honest man like i got so stoked when i was just the uh, opportunity to talk to him because I was I always thought like you know he was like super cool like you know just like in my opinion like Sam Hain was like the coolest band you know they just looked cool their their fucking songs had like these horror really horror horrific lyrics and the whole image of the band was great you know especially when I was first starting to get into them and uh I was like man that's really really cool that I'm gonna talk to London man and and he just turned out to be such a great guy and, uh, you know, similar to Dwid, he and I, like, we stay in touch, man. I think it's cool. And, uh, you know, he, um, he's in ministry now too. I don't know if you knew that he's playing in ministry. 
No, I didn't know that. Oh, that's crazy. Cool. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, and he's got another band with uh, Rick Agnew from uh, you know uh, from Christian Death and The Adolescents and. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no sim- kidding. What's that band called? You remember? It's called Symbolism, and uh, oh, I'm looking forward to hearing that stuff too, man. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure London will come on again. <laughs> you know, it's. Same thing with Dwid. Dwid will probably eventually come back on and we'll talk more about hopefully when there's new cool stuff to talk about, we'll have him back on. Both of those guys. Yeah, definitely, man. Those are guys you could have on, you know, multiple times. They're always doing stuff, moving forward, putting out new music and stuff. And why not? You know, yeah. why not? Um, uh, yeah, one of my other favorite ones was the. Uh, Jeff Whitehead episode that we did, um, basically covering you know his his musical kind of endeavors in a whole, uh, meaning Leviathan and Lurker and Chalice. And uh, well, it's cool, you know. Once again, uh, you said after that episode aired, Jeff reached out to you, and uh, which was pretty cool, man. You know, guy's a, a legend. Totally, man. Yeah. And like White Whitehead is one of those dudes that I feel intimidated by because of just the total depth of his work, man. Like, you know, his, his artwork, his music, like all of the, you know, Leviathan, Lurker, a chalice, like all that stuff is very, very, is very meaningful to me, you know? And, and it was like, you know, one of those same. people like sim- similar to like talking to Steve Von Till or like Scott Kelly, it's like the same kind of vibe. Like I feel just like, like wow, man! Like you guys are, you know, people that I, I I look to for inspiration. So, just even being in touch with him a little bit, and he's a pretty private guy. Um, you know, I offered, you know, hey, if you ever want to like, you know, come on the show and talk about anything, you know, but he's not the he's not a guy that goes out and gives interviews very frequently, you know. So I, I don't. We'll see. I, I'm not gonna. No. You know, he's not like someone that's gonna be stoked to go and talk to you for like an hour you know yeah right you know that i mean that's 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 cool though that you know just kind of has this mysterious air about him and yeah. it's cool that he even just reached out through you know through email or whatever messenger or whatever and said he you know just when you told me you told me that and it, just the fact that he listened to the episode meant a lot to me totally you know man. yeah um, I think that's cool. And, uh, you know, a, a little funny side note to that, like we were recording that, that episode up here at my house. And, yeah. uh, originally it was supposed to be a Lurker of Chalice episode only, uh, but no, you know, not Leviathan or the, the work of Jeff Whitehead, I think is what we ended up calling the episode. But um, we started doing the Lurker of Chalice episode and then like 10 minutes in, we were just like, you know what, like this isn't working. Yeah, and you're like, let's yeah. go to the diner and get some food. Yep. And we just kind of aborted, went to the diner, got some food, came, kind of retooled the way we were going to do it. And uh, I think it came out pretty good, man. You know? Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm glad we did that because it the 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 content of that is too important to, to do a half-assed job. You know what I mean? And right. uh, and yeah, I just thought of, we we back then when we were able to get together in person, we would knock out like two episodes you know, a session. And, um, right. Oftentimes we would go to like the Vernon diner there to get, get dinner. And, uh, yep. you know, we, we were, we had like 10 minutes worth of stuff, but it was just like, all right, that's it, man. What else are we going to talk about? And then, 
We just <laughs> that was a good move, though, man. We got a chance to sit back, you know, have like, uh, you know, like some food, coffee, and just kind of think it over. And we came back and we knocked it out. I thought that came out really good. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like you know you're working on a song in the studio. It's not going anywhere. You take a break, man. Come back and then you, yeah, you finish it up, and it's all better for it. You know, uh, it's just not, it's not how I know. It's not how I usually work for these episodes and I know it's not with you either because we've you know we both try to make notes and do some research or I have the research department do it for us you know <laughs> yeah. one, one or the other <laughs> um, but it was cool to just do that on the fly and I, and I think considering that's how we did it I think it's probably one, one of the better episodes you know yeah totally man and, and also um, there just isn't a lot of information out there like uh, with with Jeff you know, like like we were saying no. earlier, he's a very private guy. So he, there isn't even any like print interviews. I mean, they're they're out there some somewhere. You can find interviews with him, but it's not like there's a wealth of information available. You know, so it's hard to research a guy like that without actually speaking to him. I think. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a good episode. I mean, we, you know, me and you were both huge fans of all of his work and. You know, we could probably talk. We could probably do another whole episode about, you know, his work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one thing that's interesting is that uh, Revolver, uh, you know, things have changed a little bit over there, but they they were very, they were leaning heavily into video content on their website. There is a, I would say it's probably about an hour long feature with him, with interview footage with him. That's in some... It might never come out, actually, you know. But I've seen some snippets of it, you know. And uh, wow, that'd be great. Yeah, dude, they they need to get that finished and and posted, publish it. You know, that, I mean, usually what they'll if they have something that's like an hour long, they'll cut it up into like you know smaller segments and post it. But uh, it's still not available, and uh, I hope someday they finish it and get it out there because I I want to watch the whole thing from beginning to end. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, that sounds great. There's just not much about him, so that'd be uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Another another fun one was uh, well, there's two that I really dig that I that I didn't do with you actually. I did with Mike Scandato, my uh, my other co-host out at uh, Necromaniacs, um, and Mike was the obvious choice because he's like such a like an old school like Brooklyn guy. We did a typo negative slow, deep and hard, which, you know, that is a classic record, you know, and, and typo is a, you know, a band that a lot of people, that's like a lot of people's favorite band. You know what I'm trying to say? And, um, Oh yeah, man. They have a hardcore following for sure. Yeah. You know, and Pete Steele is definitely, I would put him up there along with Danzig. It's like just personalities, you know, you know, between, uh, you know, carnivore and typo negative. The guy has, uh, huge he's left behind a huge legacy of work and um you know mike mike is like a born and raised brooklyn guy um you know has a lot has a lot of interactions with typo and all those guys and pete Steele and you know some of his ex some of mike's uh ex band bandmates are in uh bands with uh you know like kenny and those dudes from typo and uh Right. So it was like he's like very very adjacent to that whole scene. So it was it was cool to talk to him about um that record and just some of his anecdotes that he had because 
you know, Typo used to rehearse out at this uh, practice space where Mike, you know, used to rehearse and, you know, just all these guys were just around all the time, you know. Um, yeah, man, that, that was a, a great episode. I, I got to admit, I'm not the hugest Typo fan. Um, over the years, I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit. I think mostly because of you. I mean, oh, yeah? <laughs> you recommended cool. to me. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, have a, I love carnivore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, carnivore is good. I love carnivore. <laughs> Um, but I can never fully get into the typo. Like I just, people are just rabid about it, you know, but I mean, it's definitely moments I like a lot. Um, and I, I, I like it a little bit more as I, as a, each time I check it out, you know? Um, yeah. but the episode was great either way. Like I don't have to be like fully, uh, you know, invested in something to, to enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, and I think Mike was the perfect choice to do that with for sure. Yeah, Mike. Mike's awesome, and and Mike and I, uh, we co-host along with our other friend Jeff Kashid, uh, who used to play bass in ISIS and uh, Palms, uh, a horror podcast called Necromaniacs, and it comes out weekly too, just like Metal Matters. And uh, Mike's my co-host on that. We we've, we've been doing it for a few years, and you know, we're uh, you know we're a couple of gyakyadones, the two of us. You know, we like to talk. So. <laughs> I think the three of you. The three of us, yeah, Jeff too, man. Necromaniacs is another podcast that's existed for a long, long time too. Like before, like the kind of relaunch of that earlier this year, that that existed for a while with just you and Mike. Um, But it was cool, one of the most more recent episodes you guys did, the three of you guys did an episode together. And uh, I think, you know, I know we have discussed doing stuff like that, on uh, on here that would be a cool thing to do on here you I know so. uh, it'd be a lot <laughs> a lot more fun obviously if we could do this shit in person like we used to um you know we we talked about doing uh doing an isis record with me you and uh, jeff it'd be probably be a lot more fun if we could all sit around a table and do it well you know? yeah Can't do it I right mean, now like that but yeah i mean uh you know we'll see man like Hopeful. I mean, this this shit can't last forever, man. That's all I gotta say. And uh, you know, maybe that's something we keep in our back pocket because I think a lot of people would love to hear an ISIS episode. You know? Yeah. It would probably get tagged. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, it was like I think a lot of people would would really appreciate that. And um, I think it'd be a lot of fun if the three of us could do it. Yeah. I, well, you know, talking about doing that episode that way kind of got me thinking, like, down the road, you know, when <laughs> things get back to some uh, sort of normal, hopefully. Uh, we should look into maybe doing a few more episodes like that, like uh, yeah. something that's attainable, obviously. You know, I mean, if we're, uh, we're going to do an Alice in Chains record, Jerry Cantrell's probably not going to come over to my house. No, you don't think so? But, <laughs> I mean, he might, you know. I, it's, but, uh, you know, th- we know, you know, we, I think we, we know could, enough uh, people. We could fly him into Bradley Airport over there in, in Hartford, I think, right? And then we could, I could pick him up yeah. on the way to your house. Yeah, yeah, I'm not picking him up. You got to pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could extend the offer. If Jerry Cantrell would like to come fly into Bradley and be on, you know, an episode of Metal Maniacs, that's cool. You know, we were extending our hand to Jerry. Well, uh, one one of the episodes that we did talk about doing with a th- with three was a, a Wrecking Crew episode, which you know we we'd actually put the whole thing together 
and we're trying to figure out a time to do it. And then the pandemic right. happened. You know, we were going to get right. Keith uh, Bennett. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I think that's something we still should do once we can move forward. But, you know, I just think we can do, we could try doing one over the phone too, but I, don't know, I just Not think it's cooler to do it in person. We got, we got to do one with Keith in person, man. That dude, he, he, we need to be all together to do that one for sure. So maybe that's like a, a spring 2021 type of thing. Hopefully we'll be able to, you know, by then be able to try to do something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's maybe, you know, there's, there's probably other stuff we could pull together with, uh, you know, you know, we know, we know a few people, you know? Yeah, so cool. that'd be a cool way to throw some of the things in the future for sure. If, uh, you know, when things like that can happen again. Yeah. Another fun episode, speaking of like uh, a, we're trying, uh, one of, it's, it was only two people. What we did make rough plans to do this with a third was when I had Howie Abrams on. And we were supposed to just talk about Scratch the Surface by Sick of It All. But we just ended up talking oh, about okay. like New York hardcore in general. <laughs> like We started talking about Sick of It All, but then we just started talking about, like you know I don't know, Crown of Thorns and all these other bands. And uh, I, I think this book came out already, but the... the Lou, Lou and Armine were supposed to put a, a book out, and me, Lou, and and Howie were supposed to get together again to do an episode with the three of us, and that that would be cool too, you know, to actually yeah, finally, yeah, finally do that. You know, I've I've interviewed Lou a bunch of times, and um, you know, he's a really fucking cool guy, really really friendly, like down to earth dude. Um, that book is out. The, the Collar Brothers book? Yeah, it came out recently. Uh, trying to look at the fucking title of this book. Uh, yeah, it is out, though. I know I know it's out for sure. Uh, what the fuck it's called? I can never find this shit when I'm looking for it. I'll, I'll get back to you. When, okay, yeah, The Blood and the Sweat. That's what it's called. Right, the History cool. of Sick of It All is Collar Brothers. Yeah. Right on, man. That, should, yep. that, that would be fun to read. Yeah, yeah I bet you would, out. man. My, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I listened to the Howie. That was a cool episode for sure. Oh, uh, I'll go with my, you know, I'll just pick one more. That was meant a lot to me was the today. You didn't like that tech, huh? You fucking just hung up on me like some, like I was some fucking like bitch, man. <laughs> you leave that, leave that in. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you just want to say one record that you know, do just reintroduce oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I'll go with my last pick, man, for the episodes. My favorite ones. Uh, the today's the willpower episode. That was a super important episode for me. I think you too. You know, I know that record. Yeah means a lot to both of us pretty influential and uh it was uh i got a chance to reconnect with uh with steve austin who's a a good good friend of mine old friend of mine you know hung out a lot he's recorded uh my band a lot and uh known steve for a long time i hadn't talked to him in, in quite a while um and i got to catch uh today's the day out in providence Rhode island when they started the tour for their last studio album and it was great to catch up with him and i just he let me uh talk to him you know specifically about willpower and i got to uh 
asked some cool questions about things I didn't know about the record. And, uh, uh, it was really cool, you know, and it was also one of the last shows I went to before the pandemic and the lockdown. So, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, yeah. And, you know, that was a while ago. So it's <laughs> pretty sad in that, uh, light, but yeah, that, that episode meant a lot to me, man, that album particularly, I'm a big today and today fan. I like all this stuff. Willpower to me is an untouchable, probably top 10 album all time for me. So that, that episode, catching up with Steve and uh, getting to find out some stuff about that record that I didn't know, uh, it was really cool. That also is one of my favorite all-time records, too. And um, yeah. yeah, that that record, I oftentimes would say to people, like, I mean, this is, I remember, I remember back in the 90s being like, this is the future of rock music. You know, there's only two bands <laughs> that I've said that about. I've said that about today is the day, and I've said that about the Rollins band as being the future of rock music. Um, in both cases, I was actually wrong. So uh, you know, take that <laughs> take that at face value, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't think you're that far off base. Uh, I said the same similar thing about Willpower, man. It made me think uh, of how to play heavy music differently you know what i mean it was it was a it was extremely heavy but not necessarily in the traditional sonic ways it wasn't it's not death metal it's not like a a crushing like doom record it's not a grind record it's not an extreme record like that but it but it is and when i heard that record it, you know it just brought out feelings in me of like wow like this is this is an insane approach to heavy music without being uh, stereotypical heavy music. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm not doing a great job of articulating. You're doing a great job because it is that, man. It's just like this very, it's completely unique, you know? And and I guess like some of the things that um, are common among the things that you and I both like, I mean, some of the bands we like, I mean, Swans, Today is a Day, you know, Rollins Band, they're like, they're one, they're one of a kind bands, you know, Godflesh. It's like, No other bands sound like that. And that's, I guess, a, a real accomplishment as an artist. And that's, you know, 100% Steve accomplished that with Today is the Day, you know. Yeah, I agree, man. And he still, you know, he still does, man. He's yeah. still pushing the envelope. He's still doing what he wants to do. And, you know, he, he's, he's taken a lot of shit for it over the years, too, you know. But, uh, you know, if people don't like what they hear, that's one thing. You know, that's fine. But you got to admire the guy's drive and uh, un, uh, unwilling to uh, to do what people want and he just does what he wants. You know, something to be said for that. Totally. Now, probably to close out this episode, it's uh, since we're talking about unique bands in the future, the purported future of rock music. Our our, um, our hard volume Rollins band episode. And and it was really cool to talk about that, man. That's that's like Yeah. A record that I've been carrying with me for most of my life at this point, man. Like when I first started listening to that record, I was like a, a young young guy. And uh you know, that I think that uh Willpower and Hard Volume are two records that just like make me think about hard times, like hardships and like, you know, really times of self-doubt and being able to pull through shit like that you know and that's 
that's kind of like the whole like trip with with the Rollins band in general and specifically with hard volume like that's yeah and that's that's not even like that's like kind of an unsung record in some ways like when people think of the Rollins band they're like oh yeah you know hard, um you know uh end of silence you know weight like those are definitely you know big right, records right. you know but they're major label like big records there was like rock videos things like that but like you know lifetime and like hard volume were really the yeah. uh kind of the 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 starting point, you know, with that band. Yeah, man. Uh, I agree. Those records bring, make me feel the same way, man. Like those are like, you know, I, I got into the early Rollins band stuff and today's the day stuff. <clears throat> Will Power was the first record I got into from today's the day. And that, you know, not too far apart from one another. And it just, so, uh, coincidentally was a kind of a crazy, just a rough, rough, crazy time in my life. A little bit you know yeah. and those records were like a good medicine for me yeah, you know totally. for sure for sure all right man so that was cool that was episode 100 and um yeah hopefully hopefully do 100 more of these things man you know yeah i'm down and uh so thanks for listening for you guys who have been there from the beginning thank you and for you guys who have just joined Thank you as well, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Bye.